handling by humanity. And uh, we'll, for just a few moments, kind of review a little bit. Uh, but uh, this will be part two of handling my humanity. And last week we answered the question, first of all, what is sin? And we talked about the two uh, types or to the two categories of sin last week. And can anybody tell me what one of them is? Transgression is one of them. Uh, that is one of the categories of sin. Now, is transgression a, a willing sin or is that an unintentional sin? Willing sin. Very good. Uh, somebody was listening. That's because you have such a wonderful teacher, right? <laughs> Thank you. I got an amen. Woohoo! I feel special. And, uh, but uh, then what is the other category of sin? So you have transgression, trespass. So if transgressioning is a willing sin, then what is trespass? Unintentional sin. And uh, so we talked about those two things last, night, uh, last week. And then what does sin do between you and God? Forms a wedge. And begins to separate uh, you from God. Wow, that's great. I mean, we've got people here with incredible memories. And then they got me. Don't have such a good memory. Brother Chuck back there saying amen to that. Huh? So, so, uh, so sin does. It forms, it, it produces a wedge that begins to separate you in your relationship with God. As that wedge begins to, to separate further, unrepented sin, continually, uh, continuing to sin, drives the wedge deeper. It eventually, over a process of time, will produce what we call a canyon. It produces a gulf. It produces a separation between you and God that is not easily bridged. It's not easy to, uh, to cross that canyon uh, of sin. Let's look at Romans uh, 3 and 23. If anybody says they have not or they don't sin, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have this gulf. We have this canyon, uh, so to speak, of sin. We've moved past transgression. We've moved past a trespass. Now this wedge has not only begun to separate our relationship with God, but it has completed, and now we have this, this spance between us and God that we sometimes struggle to get to God. We sometimes struggle to get to God. I don't know if you've ever faced this, but there's been times in kind of personal uh, of failure in my life where I don't think that I'm worthy to go to God. There's been times of failure in my life where I'm like, you know what, I'm the last person on the face of this earth that God wants to hear from. I do want to take a quick side trip real quick. This past Wednesday night, I love honesty. I love when people are honest. 
uh, Brother Brian Raspberry came up to me and said, was talking about Bible study last Sunday, and he said, you were talking about sin. He said, you're the only person I've ever seen, or something like along this line, teach on sin, and you smiled the whole time. He said, you know what that tells me? Is that you have a lot of experience with sin. So, uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, I, I told him, I said, well, I probably have more experience than I wish I did. Um, but it's also kind of funny, since he brought that out, I've been noticing how many other people have been smiling while I've been teaching. So, uh, so anyway, there, there becomes this separation uh, of sin. The word sin means any want of conformity unto or transgression of the commandment or law of God. So if you transgress the law or the commandment of God, it's a sin. If you don't conform to the law or the commandment of God, it's sin. That's a simple definition, huh? Nobody should ever wonder anymore. The awesome thing about sin is that we're not left in sin. Now, isn't that great? We have a God that is so awesome. We have a God that loves us so much. He said, I personally, this God said, I am not going to leave people in this condition. I thank God this morning for redemption. I thank God that I don't have to live that lifestyle. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift that we get eternal life. So God has made a way. God has made a way for us out of sin. Your sin is not permanent. Now I'm really smiling. <laughs> Your sin is not permanent. There is a remedy for sin. There is a way out of sin. There's a way out of transgression. And those times that I have failed, those times where I've come short, that I felt like I was the last person on the face of this earth that God wanted to hear from. And there's been those times, especially when it's one of those sins you get caught in kind of over and over and over in your life. And say, you know what, God, I know he's just sick of hearing from me. Actually, that's not true. Actually, you're the person God wants to hear from. Actually, if you are guilty of a transgression, if you're guilty of a trespass, if the wedge has begun to separate your relationship with God, you're the very person that God wants to hear from. You're the one God wants to hear from the most. So... The, the way I try to see it uh, in my mind is that when, when there's failure in life, and we all fail, we just read the Scripture, all have come short of the glory of God. So when there's failure in our life, I kind of get this picture of God sitting there going, okay, come on, come on, hurry up. We're sitting there going, man, God's going to be mad at me. But God's sitting there going, come on, just come talk to me. Come talk to me, and we'll take care of this. And so I want us this morning to, if, if you struggle, I might be the only one in here that struggles with that. 
But if you do, I want you to start changing your mentality. Change your mindset about God. I, I say it oftentimes. I've said it in Bible study, I think, so many times. Most of the people at Palmetto Springs are sick of hearing it. God is not this big, gray-haired, big, long, gray beard, mean old man that sits on this throne with an armload of lightning bolts, and he's ready for you to mess up because then I'm going to zap you. A lot of people, it's been amazing the number of people that have that, that image of God or that mindset towards God. I'm going to fix it to blow somebody's mind. God isn't mean. Isn't that crazy? God's not mean, and he's not ready to zap you for doing wrong. He's actually ready to forgive you when you do wrong. That's an awesome God. That's an awesome God. So sin uh, separates us from God, but God does not leave us there. God does not leave us in that condition. He has a, he's made a way out to forgive us, to wash us of transgression, to make us holy again, to make us righteous again, to start all over. And we go through this process. So we're going to, uh, to, to go through a few of the mentalities that, uh, that we as humans use to justify our actions. Now, we started this last Sunday, and we've got a few more Sundays to go, so I don't want you to think that everything's negative. We're, we've got a lot of material left to cover in this Bible study, and I hope all of you uh, will continue coming so you can get uh, the full benefit of this. So we're going to go through a few mindsets and mentalities about sin. The first one is I'm not really doing anything sinful. You ever heard that? You ever raise kids? How many times have you ever heard your kid? But I didn't think that was wrong. Well, son, I just told you 12 times today not to do that. Because it's wrong. But I didn't know. Do you ever buy that argument? Boy, it's gotten real quiet. It ain't a trap, folks, I promise. It's not a trap. I don't buy it. Although my little one was talking about them last night to some people, my little one will immediately get cute when he gets in trouble. I don't know if you've ever had one that do that to you. Start smiling, turn their head just start whistling and all of this stuff and grin real big and shows those dimples, and you can't do anything. They look so cute. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My oldest one becomes Henry Kissinger. You'll say something, Joshua. Now, I have said five times in the last ten minutes to stop doing this. Immediately. He throws up his arms. He runs to you. He wraps his arms around you and says, Dad, I love you. Could you ever forgive me for my transgression? Dad, this is literally his words, Dad, I was tempted and I was not able to withstand the temptation. I don't know where he heard that. I'm hoping from church. But he'll tell you, I'm not able to withstand the temptation. And, and so, but they'll play like they didn't really know that was wrong. I often say, 
And I've told people, if you have to hide to do it, you know what you're doing is wrong. It's not always easy, but uh, it's a great thing to, a concept to put in our life, that if you're having to sneak or hide or hope nobody sees you, probably shouldn't be doing it. First John 5.17, the Bible talks about all unrighteousness is sin. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. So all unrighteousness, if it's not righteous, it's a sin. Now, <laughs> I'm starting to get the look. The my goodness, Brother Merrill's are anything that we can't do or anything that we can do. Like I said, just, just hang with this Bible study. So when people say, I'm not really, I'm not doing anything really that sinful, especially that sinful, I love that one. It's not that bad. It's a little white lie to my boss. I called in sick, and there's nothing wrong with me. But God understands that. Well, I have just treed something. <laughs> How many have done that in the last month? How many plan on doing it? <laughs> yeah, I got one one honest person back there. How many plan on doing it during the holidays? I <laughs> got same person, real honest. And it's just a little white lie. It don't really matter. God doesn't have degrees of sin. There's not a good sin and a bad sin. But it's not like I killed somebody. To God, sin is sin. Unrighteousness is unrighteousness. So let's, uh, let's try to uh, change that a little bit in our minds. And instead of doing, trying to say, well, justify this degree, let's just justify it by saying, well, it's not that bad. You know, it's just not that bad that I stole this. I really needed this box of ink pens. Buy ink pens from work. You got any at your house? <laughs> I got a pile of them. Put them in your pocket, you forget about them. I actually have to have one for my job, so I use it all the time. Anyway, you understand the concept of what I'm talking about. So, so we have to change our mentalities about things that we try to justify as not that bad. With God, unrighteousness is unrighteousness. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small we think it is. It's not what we think at all. It's about God. And God has set parameters, and we talked about that last week. God has set parameters around us and said if you don't do these things, if you'll live this certain way, you'll have a better life. Your reputation will be better. Your, everything about your life would be better if we'll live according to what God wants us to live and how he wants us to live. Our lives would be better. So then there's another mentality. I don't want to leave my sin yet. It's fun. How did you, 
How, did you, does anybody believe that sin's fun? <laughs> it is. There's a lot of things that are fun that ain't right. But even if it's fun, we need to leave that. We need to turn away from that. Get rid of that stuff. There's no sense in holding on to it because the end of it is not all that great. So let's leave it. Uh, James 4 and 17, the Bible says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I don't want to say that. We have to, let's, I mean, I'm trying to think of how to say this. We need to leave the stuff that's fun that we know is wrong. I mean, if you like to go out on Friday night and your funnest thing to do in all of your life, I mean, you get the most pleasure out of it is stealing hubcaps. You need to quit. It doesn't matter that it's fun to you, and it doesn't matter that it's not that big a deal. The Bible says don't steal. And I know that's a little bit absurd. Hopefully nobody in here has that problem. I remember when I was a teenager, I never got involved in it. But some of my friends did. That's when chrome valve stem caps. You know what I'm talking about on the tires? Little valve stem six up. They would put chrome ones on there. And it was a big sport to steal them. Now, I never, I could care less about but I know somebody, I had a friend of mine that had a, literally a jug about that tall and about that big around full of chrome valve stem caps that he stole off of cars. And he thought that was the funnest thing in the world. Let's go steal, let's go steal valve stem caps. Why? To put them in a jug in your room and look at them for what? I had a teacher in high school that, that and I don't know why I'm off on stealing but I had a teacher in high school that used to tell me she, Miss Singleton, was one of the best teachers I ever had. And um, she came in and she said, babies, she called everybody babies. She said, babies, if y'all are going to steal, steal enough. And everybody looked at her and said, what do you mean? She said, steal enough. Make it worth your while. I said, don't go in there to Circle K with a gun and steal $40 and go to jail for 15 years over $40. If you're going to do it, steal $40 million. Make it worth your while. Why steal valve stem caps? It's not worth it to go to jail over those stupid things. Didn't do anything with them, but throw the jug away. It makes sense. But we need to, to take, even though we find it fun, there's things in our lives we need to get rid of. And if it's wrong, we need to get rid of it. Then this one I like. I don't believe what the Bible says about sin. I have got some good news for everybody. You ready? Y'all can smile. Somebody at least smile. Make me feel better. It doesn't matter what you think. Isn't that great? I have, I've told people before, maybe I was wrong, but when you get to judgment, 
you're standing before the white throne, God's not going to ask you your opinion. The Bible doesn't say he's going to. The Bible says they're going to open the books. The books of the Bible. That's what you'll be judged by. It's not your opinion. Well, Brother Merrill, I just don't think that that's what the Bible says. Don't care what you think. It's kind of harsh, but really don't. When I teach Bible study at Palmetto Springs, another one of the things that I say all the time, they get sick of hearing. The Bible is what I go by. I said it this past Tuesday night three or four times. I am not interested in somebody's opinion, their view. I'm not interested in what they believe. I'm not interested in what they think. Don't care. You can come up to me and tell me anything. If you don't have scripture, not interested. I don't care. I am not interested in the opinions or the views of somebody. Because when my in my relationship with God, I'm not it's not just judgment, but the the things, the promises, the three thousand plus promises in the Bible, these things don't come to me because of what somebody else thinks or believes. It doesn't come to me by what I think or believe. It comes to me because of what the Bible says. And if I will live my life, if I base my relationship on God the way the Bible says that we should, then those things, those 3,000 plus promises of the Bible, I'm, I'm a, a, entitled to. I'm a part of that. I get to be a part of that. So our opinions don't matter. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It, it just it, I have gotten worn out with people saying, I just don't believe that's in the Bible, especially when you can show it to them. It's not even an implicit commandment. It's an explicit commandment. Well, it's true. We're going to be judged by the Bible and not by what we think, not by our, our opinions, our views, um, very few people argue with the fact that thou shalt not kill. But there's other commandments that are they're just as explicit, explicitly written in the Bible that we'll argue with. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not gossip. I love that one. I love that one. I love to hear about not gossiping. How about uh, um, gluttony is, is, is wrong? See, now we're getting close to home. I'm not so happy about that one now. But I don't believe that, Brother Merrill. That's not for me. You can tell I have a problem. But gluttony is not for me. That's for everybody else. That's not the right mentality towards that. That's telling Brother Merrill, you got to push away from the supper table. I don't care how good those chicken and dumplings are. Somebody's mouth just started watering. I guarantee you mine did. I was thinking about Mama's chicken and dumplings. It's coming up on one of the holidays she said she's going to make some. Nobody cooks chicken and dumplings like my mom. 
And if you've never had them, it's part of the plan of salvation. If you ate a big bowl of my mom's chicken and dumplings, I don't eat them in bowls. They're too small. I eat them in plates. You'll be right about rapture ready, about right then. Incidentally, chicken and dumplings is one of my favorite meals, if anybody's interested to know that. And you'll invite me over or something like that. So so uh, let's so let's change our mentalities about sin. Sin is not about what we think or how we feel. It's about what the Bible says. And if the Bible does not give you explicit commandment, it will give you implicit commandment. I was talking to somebody a week or two ago, and, and they were telling me, they said, every situation in life can be answered in the Bible. You know that's true? There are scriptures that will cover everything. And so if you're struggling with something and you need to know the answer, pray about it. Talk to God about it and let him show you in the scripture what, what your answer is. He's able to do that. So why do we sin? Why do we sin? If it's wrong, why do we do it? Why is it that we fall into the same traps over and over and over again? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I, I can almost say in a, in a crowd this size, I'm not the only one that has the problem of falling into the same trap over and over and over. Why is that? Why is it that we believe the same lies, the same mentalities, even after they have been exposed to us as a lie? We still keep the same mentality. I mean, I've just said and just talked about uh, that we don't believe what the Bible says about sin. We don't want to leave our sin in these things. And even though now we've exposed that it's a lie, it's just a trick, but yet the We'll still walk out of here. Humanity will still walk out of here today and still do the same things and still live the same lifestyle. How is it that humanity, this stuff that we're wrapped in, this flesh, wars so hard against our spirit? Our minds can convince us of things that aren't real. They're not legitimate. Our mind can convince us that it's just not that bad. God has a special dispensation for me. God doesn't care if I do this. I heard a singer one time. I could not even believe it. They used to be a Christian singer. And some of you may figure out who it is. I don't even, I don't listen to, I'm not a big music person. But they left the Christian music world. They were very popular, very big in the Christian music world, and they went secular, started singing country and western or slow rock or something. And a reporter asked this person about this transition, and this person says that God and I have an agreement. They made an agreement with God that it's okay for me to do what I want to do. I think that was probably a one-sided agreement. Basically, God, I'm going to do what I want to do, like it or leave it. 
in our lives what I don't want. And I want to, what I'm trying to do is to expose these things that we don't have to be bound by this stuff. We don't have to be bound by these repetitive things coming back into our lives over and over and over, keeping us at a place in our relationship with God when God wants us further along. God wants all of us, everybody in this building, to develop a closer relationship with God than what you have now. And I know there's some that are super spiritual and say, well, I don't even know how that's possible. But I can tell you, as long as you're wrapped in flesh, it is possible that we get closer to God. And in order to get closer to God, to take away and start shrinking that canyon between us and God, which the cross bridged, and to, to begin to repair the damage that the wedge caused and splitting us apart because of sin... To begin to do all that, we have to draw closer to God, and in order to do that, we've got to remove some things out of our lives. We can't just sit here and wait for God to deliver us of everything. We are free moral agents. Everybody, anybody ever heard that term? Raise your hand if you've heard that term. For those that haven't heard that term, what that means is you have the right to do what you want to do. There's nobody in this building today, there's nobody that will be in this building today that God is going to force to be here. There's nobody here today that's serving God that God's going to force you to serve Him. I've heard it said, why did God allow so-and-so to backslide? God's not going to force you to serve Him. If you want to serve Him, you have got the right to never come back. That's true. God doesn't force us to live righteous. He gives us commandments. He gives us parameters. He gives us guidelines and says, if you'll do these things, then, then there's blessing that comes along with it. But if we decide, you know what, I don't want to do that. I want to go out every Friday night and steal hubcaps. Then guess what? You'll reap the benefit of that. So when finally across the front page of the newspaper, the masked hubcap bandit is caught. Guess what? Don't start praying then, God deliver me from these policemen. God take these shackles off of me. Because it's not going to happen. The Bible says that if, if in those situations that you will pay to the uttermost farling, you'll pay all of your debt. Oh, God will forgive you for stealing the hubcaps. Just don't know that the government will. So you'll go to jail. So let's change our mentalities for this. I don't even know how I got off on all that. Why is it that we make a habit of doing wrong, even when we desire to do right? Does that sound familiar? For those that are familiar with the writings of Paul, that there's times we desire to do right and we wind up doing the things we don't want to do. We're wrapped in humanity. Humanity in itself is, is weak. Humanity uh, doesn't want to do right. It battles against our spirits. And this is why we must have stronger spirits than we have flesh. 
Brother Don goes to the gym seven times a week and pumps 400 pounds. Not really. But he's told me he used to go to the gym. Do you still go occasionally? That's awesome. Still goes to the gym. Because we want to keep our body strong. I'm sure there's somebody in here that gets up every morning and walks 25 miles or close to it. Does anybody walk in the morning? I don't. I kind of do this. Got out of bed this morning. I sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, and pop. Even at my young age. But we take care of our bodies. We try to strengthen our bodies. We do cardio exercises. We take blood pressure medicine. We take cholesterol medicine. We take medicine to help us counteract the side effects of our other medicine. We take medicine and then counter that medicine. And you know how all of it goes. And so we do all of these things trying to keep a strong body. What do we do to keep a strong spirit? Can I submit this morning that maybe some of the reason that we all struggle with, with certain things is because of weaker spirits? So when the tug-of-war starts, the flesh usually wins out because the spirit is not strong enough or doesn't have the endurance uh, to, to battle. So we have a habit. We, some, we, we all do that. It's, it's, it's in the fleshly nature to do it. So the reason we do these things, could it be that we never step back and look at the lasting consequences of sin? Could it be that things, that sin tastes so good that if even for a moment we forget how rotten it feels, it makes, or how rotten it makes us feel? The show bread in the tabernacle in the wilderness if you ever study that, you know, it's a type of the Word of God. It's a type of the Bible. And the Bible says when God gave them the recipe to make the showbread, he had it sprinkled. God told them very specifically to sprinkle the top with frankincense. Does anybody know why it was sprinkled with frankincense? Nobody from Palmetto Springs because they've heard this, I know. I just said Nobody. Frankincense is really bitter. If you eat it, it is bitter, bitter, bitter. You think eating raw lemons is bad. This stuff is horrible tasting, but it is very healthy for you. So God told them you take the frankincense and you sprinkle it over the showbread, the word of God. And when they ingest it, it may not be so pleasant going down. But if they'll put it in their bodies, it will do a world of good for them. And so it is with the Word of God. Sometimes there's commandments in the Word of God we just don't really want to hear. We're just not really interested in conforming our life to what the Bible says because it's going to cause us a little bitterness. It's a little bit distasteful. That's not real good. It's nothing a lot of gravy won't fix. But they couldn't have that. And so if we would take the Word of God and ingest it, go ahead and live by the concepts, the precepts, and the commandments of the Word of God, your life will get better. 
your marriage would get better. But, Brother Merrill, my marriage could never get better. It's perfect. That's great. Other relationships would get better. The relationships with kids would get better. The relationships with family, with employers, employees would get better. Your, life, your outlook would get better. If we just take the Word of God and ingest it, bring it in and, and let God move through us, when we ingest sin, it makes us feel horrible, or it should. If you ingest the Word of God, sin may taste sweet going down, but it gives you upset stomach, spiritually speaking. The Word of God may taste sometimes a little bit bitter going down, but it sure does soothe the stomach, and it sure makes you feel a lot better. Another reason we do these things uh, fall in the same traps and stuff is that sometimes Satan has done such a good job of packaging that we take it in because of just the bright label on it. There's a, you remember when Jesus, and I've got to quit, you remember when Jesus uh, was taken into the wilderness by Satan and tempted? Everybody remember that story? Do you know that Satan, the Bible says that Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world and said, I'll give you all these if you'll bow down and worship me? What is the kingdoms? It's the beauty, it's the, the magnificence, it's the glory, it's, it's all of these majestic things, the kingdoms, the big palaces, the, the grand hotels, the grand things of a kingdom, just this beautiful thing is what Satan showed Jesus. And that's what Satan shows us. What Satan didn't show Jesus was the gutter. He didn't show Jesus the slums. He didn't show Jesus the heartbreak and the heartache. He just showed him the kingdoms. And that's what Satan does. It's a counterfeit kingdom. It's, it's, it's where, where we see the Marlboro man riding on a horse through Wyoming in the pastures. And there's beautiful deer grazing in the back. And the sun is just right. And his horse is very well-defined, muscular pattern. And, he's just, and he is so handsome. He's just such a handsome guy sitting up there with his cowboy hat. And he just looks so good with that marble. But what he doesn't show you is a few months ago when I sat beside the hospital bed of a man dying of lung cancer that was pleading for me to help him. He doesn't show you that end. He doesn't show you the, the other part of that kingdom. Sin gets packaged so pretty. But inside, it is so rotten. And the end result is horrible. The end result, the Bible says the end result of sin is death. Either physically or spiritually is death. Uh, so that is another reason that we oftentimes fall into the same things is because it's, so, it's packaged so good. Well, they're opening the doors on me. I had another 45 minutes of good notes, but anyway. Uh, Y'all stand.